It has been called the stretch of duration in which things happen. Ben Franklin said it was the stuff life is made of. The Random House Dictionary lists 54 usages of the noun. What am I talking about? I'm talking about time. Time really is our new currency, the way we determine what is of value to us. Time, it's a, it's a resource that we cannot manufacture, recycle, or spend more than once. Time is an enigma. Trying to define it, it has been said, is like eating soup with a fork. Time. It's frustrating because we wish we had more of it. We say things like, there isn't time to do the things I need to do. And I can't seem to find the time. Time seems relative. Ten minutes on a treadmill seems like an hour. One hour on the phone with a friend seems like ten minutes. Two weeks vacation seems like three days. And three days of some unwanted house guests, well, that seems like two weeks. <laughs> time can send off negative reactions. It's time for a pop quiz. Honey, it's time we have a long talk. And, well, it's about time. There are many different kinds of time. Nap time, spare time, half time, night time, some time, overtime, hard time, two time, good time, on time, and serving time. We speak of killing it, wasting it, saving it, borrowing it, losing it, stealing it. And if I keep on going, I'm going to run out of it. <laughs> but you get my point. Will Rogers was asked once, if you had only 48 hours to live, how would you spend them? He answered wisely, one at a time. You see, it is, as William James once said, the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The question then is, how are you going to spend those 24 hours a day, those 1,440 minutes a day, those 86,400 seconds a day? Will we spend the time we have on what really matters in life? And that's what we're looking at in our study in this wonderful Old Testament book called Ecclesiastes. Solomon, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, has been laying out for us what life is under the sun apart from God. The conclusion has already been clearly evident. If God isn't in it, it isn't worth it. Leave God out of the equation. It all adds up to frustration and futility. You don't get anywhere. What can get us off those dead-end streets? What can give life meaning and purpose? What can jumpstart a subnormal Christian walk? Well, that's our focus this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And our passage today not only provides us with some impressions about life, but also some very timely words of insight about God. So if you're not with me, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And here we're going to find some general impressions about life 
first of all, and then we're going to look at some very timely words of insight about God. So it's, so it's impressions about life and then insights about God. Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And as you can see here, God wrote a pop song. <laughs> to everything there is a season, turn, 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 right? Oh, there's been quite a fascination with this section of Scripture, not only by some hippie group named the Birds, but also John F. Kennedy spoke of Solomon's poem as one of his favorite passages from the Bible. Now, indeed, chapter 3 is a great piece of work from a literary standpoint. Solomon uses a literary device known as merism in which opposite extremes are used to indicate everything in between. It is the totality of human experience. And if we were the author's of our existence, we might choose to eliminate half of this list. How great it would be if there was no time to die, to weep, to hate, and for war. But the reality is, as we move through this life, we are surrounded by positives and negatives. Once again, this is a very practical chapter. He says in verse 1 of chapter 3, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. In other words, God has set up certain rhythms in life. And the first impression about life that we have here is that there are different seasons through which we all must pass. There are different seasons through which we all must pass. And Solomon ponders these seasons. And sadly, many are stuck with regret over a past season, wishing they could change what happens. Police stopped the teenage girl in Idaho after complaints that a car had been seen going around her neighborhood in reverse for quite a long period of time. The girl told police that her parents had let her use the car, but she had put too much mileage on it. And she said, I was just trying to unwind some of it. <laughs> Can't be done. Couldn't do it. As much as we wish we could unwind some of what has happened in the past, it can't be done. Well, others are stuck in the past, reminiscing of the way things used to be. And as a result, they miss seeing this season of opportunity. And then there are those who are looking ahead to the next season of life where they figure that life is really going to begin. One man honestly confessed. He said, for a long time, it had seemed that life was about to begin, real life. But there was always some obstacle in the way, something to be gotten through first, some unfinished business, time still to be served, and a debt to be paid. Then life would begin. And he says, at last it dawned on me that these obstacles were my life. We might sum it up this way. When we live in the past or live in the future, we never live because we're not living in the present. What season of life are you in right now? Live in the present. That's all you have right now. Well, Solomon gives us more impressions about life in verses 2 through 8. Follow along. He says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. 
time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, a time to throw away. We have to throw some things away. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. These seven verses represent all of life. There are momentous occasions like births and deaths, verse 2. There are emotional times of weeping and laughing, verse 4. There are mundane times like collecting stuff and throwing them away at the dump, and verse 6. And there are times to speak up, and yes, quite frankly, there are times to shut up, verse 7. Someone passed this cartoon on to me. It has this one woman talking to another woman. And she says, my New Year's resolution is to stop putting my foot in my mouth all the time. And I'll bet yours is losing weight, right? (laughs) She has a long way to go. There are times to be silent. But there are times we should say something. May we have the discernment to know which is needed. But as we look at the 28 life experiences mentioned here, stated as opposites, we begin to feel this tension that can't be overlooked. The impression about life we feel here is this personal struggle to know which is the appropriate reaction and when it is appropriate and when it is not. And Solomon gives one final impression that he leaves with us as to the point of all of this. In verse 9, Solomon cries out, What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. Solomon looks at how a person can fill up a 24-hour day and the best he can hope for in a list of 14 negatives and 14 positives is to break even. So he asked, what's the use? What do we gain by all of this? In this frustrating cycle of life, where's it all going? Someone cynically asked, if every card in our hand will be trumped, does it really matter how we play? But is our attitude to be, whatever happens, happens, whatever will be, will be, quesarasara? Is that to be our attitude? You know, we really need to ask, is all of life happening by chance? It is as one professor put it. Is it? As one professor put it. He said, there's no reason to suppose that a man's life has any more meaning than the life of the humblest insect that crawls from one annihilation to another. That's it? Is that the best we can hope for? Does our life reflect that kind of hopelessness? It shouldn't as a believer. There's this screenplay in which uh, Lily Tomlin portrays this bag lady, and she has many things she worries about in life. And, And she finally says one point in there in this one act play. She says, I wonder about my place in the vast scheme of things. Matter of fact, I wonder if there is a vast scheme of things. That's the great fundamental question. Well, Solomon moves from some impressions about life 
to some insights about God. The key to all of this is found in the beginning of verse 11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time, in his time. You see, God's motto is, when it absolutely positively has to be there on time, God delivers, never too early, never too late. There is a rhythm in life, and when we can live in rhythm with God, our life flows so much better because we can believe that in time, this thing that I'm going through will be made beautiful. It says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Not some things, everything. Not most things, everything. Everything. But notice it doesn't say everything is beautiful in life. No. He's made everything beautiful in its time. That tear that you shed, beautiful in its time. That death that was so premature, beautiful in its time. That ministry that had to be uprooted, that building that had to be torn down, that injustice that had to be given up, that friend you had to let go of, that sin that broke you, that loss you had to acknowledge and grieve, all will be made beautiful in its time. God will not waste your pain. Won't. On the other side of things, that birth that brings rejoicing, the seeds that have been planted, the healing you are experiencing, the laughter with friends, the the new relationships to be embraced, the mending of that broken friendship, the warmth of love and the peace that might be present in your life right now, those are to be enjoyed. Don't miss seeing the fingerprints of God in whatever season you may find yourself in right now. Let me ask you, whatever season you're in, is God there? Now here's the difficulty. The end of verse 11 says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You see, we were created to live without end. We were made for eternity. God has created us with a purpose. And when we turn our backs on the purpose for which he has made us, we will go through one frustrating experience after another. Unless we live out that divine purpose, nothing will answer the deep issues within, and we can only conclude is what Solomon says here, I've seen the burden God has laid on men. See, when we live as the captain of our own souls and attempt to take control and say, I am in charge here. We'll find life nothing more than burdensome. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. You see, there's a homesickness within us that can't, we can't explain. It is only as we live in rhythm of God that the restlessness within can be satisfied in part on this side of heaven and in full when we're finally home. So the tension that resides within each of us is we long for eternity. We want a job well done to endure forever. We want that pleasure to go on and not end. We want to linger in those wonderful seasons forever, and we can't. It doesn't work that way. Nothing lasts forever. 
And along with that is this desire to know what God is doing and what he's up to. And as at the end of verse 11 says, we cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. So we live with this tension. We want to know what God is up to. We have eternity in our hearts, but we can't fathom it. As Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot put it, God is not only the Almighty, he is also our Father. And what a father does is not by any means always understood by the child. The other day, my wife and I went through an automated car wash to get our car cleaned. And it brought me back to years ago when my two oldest kids were just toddlers. And I took them through the car wash for the very first time. Now, in my strangeness, I was all excited for them to experience this. You're going to love this. You know, it never occurred to me that this would be a frightening experience. They cried and they screamed as these big, ugly creatures with several legs began slapping the side of the car alongside their window, while other creatures attacked them from the front windshields. Then this big air monster came at us from the front, went over the top and onto the back of the car. I mean, it was an awful experience, and I can only hope that they're not going to be scarred for life. But finally, we got to the end of the tunnel where there was sunlight and they knew everything was okay. Dad's a little whacked out, but now everything's okay. Some of you may be in a time in your life that consists of being hit by one ugly incident after another. You're getting slammed on every side. I know some of you are. You may be in that season that, that is dark and, and tunnel-like, and you can't see the light at the other end. Your season is a car wash experience. You're frightened. But will you trust God with this season? God knows what he's doing. He's up to something in your life. God's still in control. The late Corey Temboon wrote these words. I'm sure you've heard them as she reflected on her sufferings in a woman's concentration camp during World War II. She says, My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors he worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful and the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver and the pattern he has plants. You see, under the loom is under the sun living. And from that vantage point, things aren't always so beautiful. Those dark threads have the potential to unravel our faith, peer over the loom, and gain God's perspective because it's beautiful. God is weaving life together. Why would we ever settle for a subnormal Christian walk when we know that God is fitting all the pieces together to form a beautiful picture? Now, all that being said, what are we to do, with, do in the meantime? What is the specific application for today? Well, here it is, verses 12 through 15 provide us with some insight. Follow along here, verse 12. I know that there's nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. 
that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. What are some action points? First of all, first of all, enjoy the season you are in. Verse 12 says, be happy. Enjoy the season you are in. Contrary to how you might be feeling right now, every season of life has something beautiful in it to enjoy. I don't want you to miss your life and miss seeing the fingerprints of God right where you are now. Enjoy the season you're in. As difficult as that may be sometimes. Secondly, let's not miss the opportunities in this season. Let's not miss the opportunities in this season. The end of verse 12 says, do good while we live. As a church, we have entered a new season. The last season of this church, like every other season, had its negatives and positives. This season will be no different. Don't get stuck in the past season and don't wish the season away by looking forward to the next one. What often happens, and I find myself still doing it, is we get so focused on the next thing, we miss the opportunities God has given us today. I just want to keep moving, rushing through. As it's been said, the best preparation for tomorrow is the proper use of today. We're told that in Ephesians 5.16. Make the most of every opportunity. Seize the time. Seize the moment. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not miss the opportunities that we have in this season. Thirdly, whatever season you're in, remember God has a plan. Whatever season you're in, remember God has a plan. He is going somewhere. He is. We don't always know what God's doing. But we still can get up in the morning with enthusiasm, knowing that he will make everything beautiful in its time. Can I trust him with that? And whatever season you're in, fourthly, let it lead you to him. Let it lead you to him. Whatever season you're in right now, let it lead you to him. Let me read verse 14 again. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does this. Why? So that men will revere him. The different seasons are all meant to push us toward God. He sets out the seasons in our life like breadcrumbs leading us to him. So I ask, are we merely living or are we cooperating with him as loved participants in a plan much larger than ourselves? Which is it? Are we absorbed and so absorbed with a fascination with ourselves, or are we consumed with a worthy preoccupation with the purposes of God? Are we living as if we are the point, or that He is, and that we exist for Him? Which is it? Stepping into a new season can be scary. Stepping into a new season brings new changes. Stepping into a new season brings new challenges, but stepping into a new season births new opportunities. God has a purpose for every season. Let's live for what really matters by being a part of God's purposes, by living in rhythm with him. Back several years ago, there was this movie called A River Runs Through It. The movie tells the story of the McLean family who lived in Montana 
early in the 20th century. The focal point of the story is on a river that runs through their part of Montana. This river is the catalyst for everything significant that happens in their life. It was while walking along the banks of that river on Sunday afternoons that the father cultivated a relationships, relationship with his two young boys. It was at that river that the father would teach them about the world and about life and about the God who made it all. It was that river that the boys ran to after school. It was that river where sibling rivalry and brotherly affection flourished as they fished for trout together. It was on that river that the boys took a death-defying ride down the rapids. The McLean family experienced failure and success, laughter and fighting, change and disappointment, but always the river was there. Their home, their individual lives would have been just sound and fury if not for the river running through it all. Do you see it? Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is also a river that runs through your lives and the life of this church. That river is called the purposes of God. So whatever has happened to you in the past and to this church family, whatever your trying season you may be in right now, whatever the future may hold for you, remember this. A river runs through all of it, and that river is called the purposes of God. That's comforting. Can you imagine what that perspective could do to our use of time? Can you imagine what that could do as we get up in the morning tomorrow? Can you imagine how that would radically influence our pursuit of what really matters in life? Folks, let's live in rhythm with him. Purpose runs through it. Let's cooperate with his purposes. That's exciting. That will jumpstart our subnormal Christian walk. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your purposes. We can't always see them. Matter of fact, many times we can't. All we can do is be in obedience to you today and do what we know to be your will today and not necessarily worry about all the other aspects of what your will is, that which we can't see. But Lord, may we walk in faith believing that whatever we're going through right now as individuals, as families, as a church, you will make something beautiful in its time. May we stick around to see that. And not jump ship, not abandon you or the process. Ah, pour courage into us we face each day with enthusiasm knowing that there is a purpose that runs through all of what we do, all that we go through. And Lord, just brings us to that place where we have to rely on you every single moment of every single hour. We need you every hour. Help us in our dependency on you in Jesus' name. Amen.